It is often said that imitation is the purest form of flattery. We see what another person does or how they conduct themselves and, and we admire that trait or that characteristic. And we want in some way to be like that, to, to possess that quality of their character. And we begin to notice that at a very young age, perhaps when we're two already, and we see an older sibling or a parent doing something or some posture, and we want to imitate that. We want to, to be like that person. And then later in life, we hear people say to us, you're just like your father. You sound just like your mother. You have your mother's eyes and your father's nose. Well, maybe that's not what we wished for. But um. So when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray as he prays, they want to know what's coming from his heart when he goes off by himself to pray. They must have noticed that he did this a few times during their association with him. Before they were called, he spent 40 days in the desert. When it came time to call the disciples, he spent some time in prayer. When the crowd came to make him king, the gospel says he went off by himself. And then he spent time in the garden in prayer before his death. Times, it seems, when he wanted or perhaps needed to ground himself once more in his own identity and in his relationship with the Father. The disciples, of course, as did Jesus, would have known the traditional Jewish prayers, perhaps like the Psalms, and may often have prayed them in common. But they must have seen something else in Jesus when he went off in solitude to pray. And so they wanted to learn his prayer. What prayer came from his heart? We believe that honest prayer, genuine prayer, comes from that center of our being, from that place inside of us that lets us remember that we are not so much in charge. And in that moment of vulnerability, we, we reach out. And our prayer may be as simple and as profound as, Oh my God. And depending on the inflection in those three words, it can mean many different things like, Oh my God. And, and there are a whole lot of others. So prayer begins with a connection to God. We, we realize that life is bigger than we are. And so God is the first person we turn to. And once we're clear where we need to begin, then we can begin to deal with whatever else confronts us.
And notice that Jesus' prayer, as he relates it to his disciples, doesn't begin with a statement of human need. He doesn't begin by saying, would you just deal with the Pharisees for me? Would you do something about these disciples? It begins with his, as it were, a renewing of a relationship with God. Not by demanding, but by association. And so with us, we don't usually start out by stating the problem. We kind of ease into it. We begin perhaps saying to ourselves, God, we need to talk. And once, once we posit that there is God, and that God is, we believe, listening, then we might get to the human need that's the context, the, the reason for the prayer. But first we establish, or perhaps re-establish, that relationship. Recognizing that, after all, God hasn't left us. Perhaps we've just forgotten God for a little bit. And so we say, God, we need to talk. And so Jesus tells the disciples, turn first to God with humility. May your name be held holy. God, Father, may your name be held holy. And then he teaches them the prayer that, of course, we have come to know as the Our Father. What someone said is the quintessential Christian prayer. It's the default on our spiritual computer. And it's interesting that we've come to call this prayer the Our Father, when it really isn't our prayer at all. It's somebody else's prayer. It's the Lord's prayer. We borrow the words. And along with the words, we borrow the relationship, that relationship of intimacy that Jesus had with the Father. What a wonderful posture for us to be in, to not only take the words of his prayer, but to take on all that that meant to him when he prayed. It's not a prayer asking God for something that God may or may not be willing to give. There's no question about the giver, as the story points out. The sleeping friend, Jesus says in the Gospel, will eventually respond to the other friend's request for bread. Not only because he's able to, but because persistence will pay off. And because there is a friendship there, after all. And the father will not give the son a scorpion, but an egg, because he can, and desires to do that. And look at that wonderful conversation with Abraham, the great negotiator. That is such an amazing story. It's Abraham standing before God six times. Abraham asks God to spare the people of the town. And each time, God relents 
and agrees to be merciful. Giving happens against all odds. Giving is promised. If you knock, the door will be open. If you seek, you will find. There's no question about the giving. The Father is willing and waiting to give. So learning the prayer of Jesus is learning the art of reception. Learning the art of reception. We are pretty good with the art of begging and interceding and supplication. We have that goal. We know how to do that. We've made it an art form. We need also to learn how to receive what God so deeply and lovingly desires to bestow upon us. The Our Father is the art of reception. 